Welcome, Twim Nation. This is one half of the Twim Sisters, Tiffany Hales, and I am here tonight podcasting with my friend Holly Casos. Welcome, Holly. Um, I've podcasted one other time with you. Ariane was not available, and you came and were gracious enough to be a guest podcast host. And I invited Holly to come back for a couple of different reasons. First of all, (laughs) She was so much fun the first time around. We had a great time and she's got a great perspective on things and it is just always fun when I get to podcast with Holly. The other reason I invited Holly to come is we are trying to find some additional voices as potential co-hosts here on TWIM. And so um, I'm putting a call out. If anybody is interested in podcasting, would like to try their hand at podcasting, we would welcome any auditions from any of our listeners out there. And I will say... Uh, if you if if you think to yourself, okay, I really would like to podcast, but I don't know how to work the equipment. I don't know the format. The whole thing seems really overwhelming to me. I am more than willing to co-host with anybody who would like to come on the show and podcast with me because I obviously understand all of the equipment, how we do this. And so I'll make it really easy for you that all you have to do is just show up with analysis of the stories. Isn't that what I did for you tonight, Holly? Yes, it's so easy. (laughs) (laughs) I just said, here's the stories we're going to cover. Read them. Come with something to say. So I'm going to put that out there, Twim Nation, if you are interested in either doing an episode by yourself or with your friends or coming on with me, um, please reach out at contact at thisweekinmormons.com because we really think that this is a great place. The more voices we can get involved in, the more different opinions that we can have. And so we'd kind of like to diversify a little bit. Definitely. I mean, one of my favorite parts is just listening to all the different people's voices each month when I'm listening to this podcast. So yes, Holly is a very, very, very (laughs) faithful listener. Listener, whenever we release a new episode, she's always texting me with her commentary yes. on <laughs> all my commentary, good and bad. <laughs> good and bad. <laughs> and you're also a Patreon supporter. I am, which we are very Woo-woo. thankful for. So, all right. Well, Holly, tell us about what's going on in your life. Oh my gosh. Well, today was kind of an epic day in my okay. life. Actually, it was an epic day. I saw your post on Facebook. Yes. Explain to everybody. I cannot believe I didn't congratulate you when you first came over. That's here. okay. I'm okay. still kind of in denial. Explain to everybody why this is epic and why you deserve yeah. a big congratulations. So, about uh, two, almost two and a half years ago, I decided to do something wild and crazy uh-huh. and go back to school. And so, because you basically raised all your kids yes, by then. Yes, yes. My oldest had, or my youngest had just turned 18. And so I was like, what am I going to do? It's kind of COVID. <laughs> I don't want to sit at home all the time. Let me go back to school. And okay. so I found an online school and I started a master's program in marriage and family therapy. And um, I finished my program in February and I see clients in office, but. Uh, Last month in May, I had to take the national um, MFT board exam. That's like taking the bar exam. Oh my gosh! I, <laughs> when I took it, I'm first of all, I took it in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. Okay. Um. So it was like a three hour drive to a place called Lagrand. Oh yes, I've heard of Lagrand. Yes, it does Why have the in best the Western world. Hotel. Are they making you take it in? Like you're in Boise. I don't know. You're in a major. <laughs> well, I would call Boise a major metropolitan area. It's more metropolitan <laughs> right? than Lagrand. I either had to go up to Lagrand or down the Salt Lake area, wow. but it's closer to go up. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'll go there. Um, and then I took it and I remember after the test was done, I called my husband cause he, you know, came up with mm-hmm. me. It was at the hotel and I'm like, listen, come and get me, but wait 20 minutes. Cause I'm just going to walk, just find me on my thing. And I literally walked for 20 minutes. Walk. I cried. I was, Aww. I was like, I failed this thing. This is horrible. Anyhow, but they don't tell you results for two to three weeks after you take it. Okay. So I just found out my results today and I passed. Yay. 
So I am officially a licensed associate of marriage and family therapy now. Oh, congratulations. So, that is so, so awesome. Thank you. you know, it's funny because I, I, I saw your post on Facebook after you took it and you were like, yeah, I'm getting, I don't know if you posted it on Facebook or if it was just a conversation. No, I, I did post on yeah. Facebook that like, I was like, well, if I didn't pass, at least I'm growing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, oh, she's going to totally pass. I had faith oh, in you. Thank you. Because I remember after I took the bar exam, I wasn't married. So my person to call was not my husband, but it was my father. And I called my dad and I was like, dude, I have no clue if I pass this whatsoever. This could go either way. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure I'm ever going to take it again. If I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then I passed. Oh, so. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> anyway, well, congratulations. That's a big milestone and you you deserve a pat on the back for that <laughs> no that's awesome oh, yeah I'm so happy not to have to study it exactly like I get to study what I want instead of just yeah. having to study all the things yeah. and so. now you get to well you have been seeing clients. I haven't seen clients but now um I go through the process of being able to be paneled and accepting insurance so my client load will increase because and theoretically your pay will increase oh my pay increases like <laughs> Twice fold. So <laughs> as amazing. an intern, I don't think what a little license does. <laughs> yes. No, that's awesome because you know what? We do need, there is a real big demand. And I think COVID proved that for really good therapists. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I to. think that's really why I went into it is because when my my youngest daughter was um, having some mental health struggles, we really had a hard time finding yeah. a therapist she could go into. And, you know, I have a son with special needs and I always felt like there wasn't really anyone that really understood yeah. my challenges. And so I wanted to be one of those people that could be there for those that need that. I love so, that. I love that. I am. Okay, well, before we get into stories, we need to talk about our wards yes, and, the, and the Eagle Stakes. So if you listen to Ariane and I, you know that Ariane and I live in different stakes. Holly and I actually live in the same stake. Yes. Uh, she lives two cul-de-sacs over from me, but that is not in my ward. It's no, in a different, different ward. ward. But we always joke that eventually we are going to end up in the same ward together. Because my cul-de-sac is the border. Yes, exactly. But every time they split the wards or redivide things, like there's someone in like the Elders Quorum or the Bishopric Presidents, like the Bishopric or the Elders Quorum Presidency in my cul-de-sac. Because you live in a cul-de-sac full of Mormons. Oh, right. I We have probably the most houses per su in the subdivision yeah. in our cul-de-sac that are Mormon. Yeah, exactly. So... Exactly. I think well, the total is five right now. And my, my ward, my we are seriously about ready to, you know, uh, I mean, we've been praying, but we may even have to take a step to do a fast because we are bleeding people. We've yeah. had a lot of move outs and not very move, very many move ins. And we have very many more people move out. We're going to be branch territory. Well, so I'm in the primary presidency in in our ward uh -huh. and we just had a family move out with their three kids. Okay. And now we have officially, if everyone were to show up seven people in primary, seven so, kids, seven kids. So on Sunday I went to primary and there were only four kids in primary that week, two of which were visitors. Oh gosh. And there were literally more leaders in primary than there were kids. Wow. So how do you, how do you do that? Do you just have one class when you have so many kids? Well, I mean, Explain to me how you're doing yeah, this. Yeah. So this was, this is the thing, like we had two, but now with, if there's four kids, but we also have one who's 11 and one who's four. Well, yeah, you can't really put so them the in the So the 11-year-old doesn't really want to be in primary in the first place. Uh, and yeah. if you throw a four-year-old in there with her, yeah. she's not really going to have it. So we do have two sets of teachers. Okay. But oftentimes the two teachers are teaching one kid. Wow. Wow. That is... And then we have, I think we have two uh, nursery kids. Okay. Um, and only one pregnancy in our ward Oh, with no more on the horizon. Well, we, we have one pregnancy in our ward. I, I, we, we are down to, I don't think we have very many nursery kids. We've, we have, but we do have a larger primary, but so we're, that'd be helpful. but, uh, but we've got a few more starter homes in our ward than what you, yes. what you have. And, um, uh, cause I think we actually have the largest primary in the state. And I think we only have like 30 kids, 33 kids in primary, which is, which is crazy. That is crazy. And then my neighbor has a young man uh -huh. and I was just talking to him and his wife today. And they said that now that the seniors have all graduated, there's 
there's four young men left in the young men. Wow. And each of them are a different grade in school. Oh, that's so I, I just feel like something needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, really. And, and what's interesting is we have other wards in the stake where they literally have 60, 70 youth. Yeah. Because it's just in areas where big families are, are buying or building really big, fancy, nice homes. And, and our homes are, I mean, it's not like we live in shacks or anything, not at all. but they're older homes yeah. and people don't want to come in and remodel and update. They want well, they to don't want live. to pay the same price yeah. for a 20 year old home versus exactly. just starting another. And, exactly. And I'm saying all this from someone who lived in Maryland in my youth uh-huh. where I was like the only kid, the only middle schooler in my entire middle school that was LDS. So I know what it's like to like be alone. Yeah. But when you have the option to have other kids your age yeah. in your ward. Like it's, it's not like we're living where there's yeah. just not a lot of LDS. Exactly. People. Exactly. This is Idaho is significantly different demographic wise in terms of members of the church than what exactly. you would expect in Maryland. So exactly. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if, if there's any, you know, if anybody's looking to make any adjustments to I boundaries. So. I really hope so soon because so, uh, we're doing, we're trying hard. to figure out how to do a primary program. Well, that was going to be my next question is how do you do a primary program with only four or five kids? Right. Yeah. We're pondering like having family member, like having like uh-huh. each kid with their family come up and sing mm-hmm. a song and like have, I don't know, the missionaries talk like I don't know like what do you do there's only so many so many things kids can say in primary meeting you can't have them give 20 minute talks because the primary program is the best Sunday I know I know because you never know what you're gonna get exactly all right well maybe we ought to move on and do some stories now so because we do have a number of things to talk about tonight it was a big story it 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 really was you know every time i podcast i think i'm not going to have anything to podcast about and then like i start collecting stuff and i'm like oh wow i'm going to have more than that we know what to do with that we know what to do with so you have the first story tonight so let me i will allow you to lead off with the first story thank you i just um i this just came out on my feed today, although it's uh, marked as June 1st. But according to this article, they have updated the policy statement on politics um, in our church on the website, I suppose. Because we have the infamous policy statement that says, we stay neutral. We don't pick a political party. We don't pick favorites. That's exactly right. So they have an updated and expanded uh, opening paragraph. Okay. And also a new conclusion. So I'm going to start with the opening paragraph. We'll talk about it. Explain to me what's new. We'll go through it. So this is what it says. It says, the work of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints includes sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, strengthening individuals and families, and caring for those in need. The church does not seek to elect government officials, support or oppose political parties, or generally take sides in global conflicts. The church is neutral in matters of politics within or between the world's many nation, lands, and peoples. However, as an institution, it reserves the right to address issues it believes have significant moral consequences or that directly affect the mission, teachings, or operations of the church. Mm. So I did I did find this interesting and okay. I can understand how they need to remain neutral as we become more of a world like a global. A global church, right? Especially in situations like the Ukraine and Russia, mm-hmm. because we have members in both Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. So picking sides becomes problematic problematic yeah so we kind of do have to say neutral because we need to support the members in in both countries right and agreed all over the yes all over the world yes um i i did find this the last sentence very interesting that as an institution it reserves the right to reserve a right to address issues it believes have a significant moral consequences yes and and we've seen that we have seen that and and i think you know, I mean, obviously we saw that a lot in 2008 with Prop 8 in California and a lot of the fallout that became as a result of that. I think where we're seeing it more now is I think they've had a big focus on um, freedom of religion, at least here in America. You know, let us have, you know, how do you balance uh, you know, freedom of religion with some of these other things that tend to come into conflict. And the church has wanted to say, um, you know, specifically with um, 
Oh, just earlier this year. Was it earlier this year or later, late last year when the church supported um, a bill, uh, an LGBTQ bill that was in the, I think it was, I want to say it was in Congress. I think it was where they actually were in support of it because. Because they had a, had language in there that protected freedom of religion. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. So anyway, so I thought that was interesting. And then here's the conclusion that they have. Okay. It says to navigate the application of these principles of political neutrality and participation in an ever-changing and complex world, the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will continue to seek prophetic wisdom and revelation on these matters. And I really like that. Yes. I mean, so I, I, like that. I might be one who in my, you know, room when I'm praying is praying <laughs> that they get some revelation on some of these matters because, and I think that's perfectly <laughs> fine because I sit in a world of struggle bus on some matters. So I, I do hope that they receive continued mm-hmm. prophetic wisdom as to how to move forward and when to have a voice and when not yeah. to. Yeah. So no, totally, totally agree. But, you know, very interesting that just, you know, I mean, there's really not a whole lot of political controversy going on right now. We've just started summer and they just have kind of slid this in under the door. Right, right when there's no politics yeah. going on. Anyway. I mean, it's except for maybe like, you know, how we need to raise the debt ceiling. But yeah, that's we're not, but we're not getting involved in that. <laughs> no. so. Okay. So our next story that is a little bit along that line. Um, you may remember that uh, a couple months ago, Ariane and I talked about Kevin Worthen, the president of BYU, that he was getting replaced and they were releasing him from his calling at That's BYU. Right. And I'm trying to remember what apostle it was that came down there to release him. Oh, I don't remember. I, I, I want to say it was President. I want to say it was President Oaks, but I, I'm not really sure. I just remember whoever it was that came down there to release him said, "Hey, we hope you go back over to the law school," because <laughs> he was a law school professor before he That's got right. sucked into the administration. And so, come to find out, he is going back to law school, but he's not going back to BYU law school. So he has accepted a, um, a, a visiting professorship at Yale Law School, and it is the Michael Dole 62 and Bunny Winter Distinguished Visiting Professor of Law and Senior Research Scholar, yes. also known as the Doyle Winter. Uh, <laughs> okay. the, they called it the uh, the Doyle Winter Professorship. I like it. I, I found it interesting that it's just for one year, though. Yes, it is. Well, and I th- I think it is designed to just be for one year because it's a relatively new um, professorship, and the first one that did it was prof- was out of uh, Pepperdine Law School. Edward J. Larson. Oh. He was the inaugural Doyle Winter Visiting Professor in the fall of two thousand and twenty one. Okay. So um, part of this professorship is that um, this professorship was designed to um, to for for concern with regards to civil dialogue and that we want it says we want to assist people of opposing views to sit down together where they disagree to do so amicably and with mutual respect and thereby learn from each other, which is something that is so needed in today's political political divisions. But in addition to this professorship at Yale, he's also been named the BYU Wheatley Institute Distinguished Fellow in Constitutional Government. So he's got basically two new jobs. He's got a new job with Yale, and then he is going to be this uh, Wheatley Institute uh, uh, Distinguished Fellow. And it says that he will be an ambassador for the ideals of the Wheatley Institute in our community across the nation and throughout the world as he continues to develop networks of scholarly friendship and influence. Now, what's interesting about President Worthen, and and you had done a little research on this. Yes, I found this fascinating. The past, what what the past presidents of BYU have done after they've been released from being right. BYU's president. So I looked starting in 1971, which is like the year after yeah. I was born. So I figured like that's that's a long time. Yeah, that's, that's a good statistical <laughs> so, span. So we had President um, Oaks. Yes. Who was the BYU president. And then he became an apostle. Yes. And then we also had Elder Holland, who again became an apostle. And then we had President Lee, who sadly passed away from cancer. Yes. 
And then after him, we had, uh, I can't remember. Oh, Bateman. Bateman. Who became a member of the first president or the first Corman Corman of the 70. 70. And then we had Cecil Samuelson, also member of the first Corman of the 70. And now, um, President yeah, Worthen is gone. We have so I'm very interested to see if after this one year at Yale, Yale that he gets does, kind of does, pulled in, does right? Does he get a leadership calling? Are <laughs> is like, he really going to go back to BYU or? Exactly. Or is he like, well, you know, I, he tells the brethren, okay, you know, I did your BYU gig. And that wasn't an easy gig. By <laughs> it is I want to go be a lawyer for a while. Let me be a lawyer and a teacher for a year and then we'll talk. Yeah. We'll see we'll what see. happens. I'm, I'm curious to see yeah. how long he can hold out before. I I personally, and I said this when Arianne and I podcasted about his um, being released as BYU president. I hope he goes back to the law school. I had him as a professor at law school and he was one of the best and one of my favorite professors. He was really, really, really good. I love that. And I did not every professor I had in law school, I could say that about. Right. It is hard to find good teachers. So when you find them, it's it's hard to want to get rid of them. Well, and I think one of the things that I liked about him is I felt like he connected to the students. And I did not feel like every professor in law school connected to the students. I felt like some of them were like, well, I'm a law school professor. (laughs) So, you know, you are so beneath me. I, I never got that feeling yeah. from him. So I love that. I, again, for those future law students, I would hope that he would go back, but I think there's a slim chance of that. Well, we one can only hope. One can only hope. He'll go where he's supposed to, right? All right. What do you got for me next? Okay. So this is an article from Jana Reese. Oh, we cannot have a dun, podcast dun, dun. without a Jana Reese article. You're filling it. You're the Ariane tonight. <laughs> Usually I make Ariane do Jana Reese. Tonight well, you have this, to do Jana Reese. This isn't really a hard-hitting one. Okay. I mean, it's a tough subject, but (laughs) basically it's about, um, she just has an article about how there's two new books that have just come out about the Mountain Meadow Massacre. Yes. And one of them is called Vengeance is Mine, the Mountain Meadows Massacre. That's so hard to say. And it's Aftermath. And it's written by Richard E. Turley and Barbara Jones Brown. Okay. And it's kind of a sequel to a book they wrote in 2008. And the, their book is basically talking about um, some of those myths that we know about that, that exactly. have been there's, propagated about. There's like a the, lot of myths about the Mountains Meadow yeah. Massacre. And they go through and kind of debunk a bunch of those right. myths. So one of them is that um, one of the myths is that Brigham Young actually ordered the massacre to happen. Yes. But that is actually not true. He actually sent something saying that he didn't want them to do anything, but it didn't reach them in time. time. Now, a lot of the reason why people say that he ordered it is because there was a lot of rhetoric, like incendiary rhetoric going on about like uh, how we need to do retribution. And and because what was happening is that like the U.S. Army was coming into the territories and there was a lot of fear around that. Because it hadn't gone so well for the Mormons previously. No. Based on their past history, their fear was probably legit. Yeah. And so, you know, when when fear happens, like there's a little bit of People hysteria. People make and, irrational choices. Right. 100%. <laughs> they do not think with their logic brain. And then the other one that I found funny was this myth that because the people that were killed I mean it's really heartbreaking yes it's there, very there sad. were a hundred people c- coming from Arkansas yes and only 17 survived and the 17 that survived were all six years old or younger yeah they they Which, let the kids oh, live you're just like so horrible yeah well earlier just a few months earlier um the apostle Parley P. Pratt had had passed away in Arkansas he was killed in Arkansas uh-huh. so some people thought it might have been retribution for that well it couldn't have been. There was just no way, like, the timing didn't work out. But the the story about, <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh about this, yeah. but I don't know why I found this funny. So probably Pete Pratt was, like, trying to escape from one of the first, like, one of the husbands, the first husband of one of his plural oh, wives. Like his wife. And so, he was like, you married my woman? I'm after you, so, right? I don't know. You. He was probably back east on a mission. I don't know why. But he had just like running away from this first husband and had crossed the line into Arkansas barely when he was overtaken by the first husband and killed. So um, 
Yeah. So they have debunked that it has anything to do with that. It wasn't retribution for his It wasn't retribution. Poor guy. Um, Anyhow, so one of the things they they kind of talked about was how the Mountain Meadows Massacre has continued to be something that is is a very hot topic. It is. And part of that is because like in the Mormon culture at the time, you also had polygamy going mm-hmm. on. And so there, there was a lot of like, we don't want to legitimize these people or the state. Exactly. And so here's another reason why we shouldn't do it. Yeah. And then another problem was there was a lot of racism involved because the Mormons that were involved in this kind of were planning on um, blaming the Indians in the territory. And they did. Yeah. Didn't they for a period of time? Yeah. yeah. For this crime. Yeah. That wasn't them at all. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, it, it was really interesting. One of the things that I thought was really lovely that uh, the author, Barbara Jones Brown, said was at the end of the article. And she talked about as she was doing the research, she realized mm-hmm. she was related to one of um, the culprits of the massacre. Oh, and oh, that would be interesting. That was really tough for her. Uh-huh. Like it kind of sent her to a dark place. And she said that the thing that kind of brought her peace was to begin forging relationships with the the descendants of those the, the, the kids that survived. The kids that survived. And she reached out to them and she listened to them, which I think is huge. Yeah. And then she said that she was sorry on behalf of yeah. you know her family yeah. members. And she said this, I love it. She says, the way forward is to continue digging for truth and to resist the temptation to deny or excuse the murders. Oh. And I I loved that idea that now how do you how do you look at that with your oh counseling my gosh, background? 100%. I mean, I'm I'm thinking to myself, oh, Holly is yeah. just digging this with her counseling background. It's probably why I love it so okay. much because healing comes. As truth is shared. That's very And true. as you process those feelings mm-hmm. and you don't make excuses for things. Yeah. You own up to your part. You, you understand and resonate with the pain on the part of the other. And then you find peace in that as you move forward. Oh, I love that. So I, I it's a horrible thing that happened and, and we can't fix it. No. But we can definitely build bridges. Exactly. Well, and just like what you said, acknowledge. Right. I think for a long period of time, this was just kind of swept under the rug and oh, we don't, we, we, we don't, don't talk about, about it. We don't talk about that. Which you could do before the days of the internet. And- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Not so much Not anymore. So much now. Okay. So next story. This is kind of a sad one. We're, we're, we're getting rid of our, we're doing our sad stories first. Uh, last Friday, a week from a week ago today, because we're recording on a Friday, there was a young missionary that was killed in a bus accident in Brazil. There were four missionaries that were traveling on a bus. It was hit by a semi truck. Oh. This elder happened to pass away. His name was Elder Isaac Orion Card. He was 20 years old. He was from Anchorage, Alaska. So our our hearts go out to his family because that has to be anytime you lose a child that's a very 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 sad thing and so you know hopefully they are are receiving some peace and comfort from the atonement and from the prayers that we are collectively saying on their behalf yeah and i think also prayers need to kind of go out to the other three missionaries oh yeah for sure none of them got seriously injured but it's hard to it would be, be traumatic. a survivor exactly. in a situation where one of the people that you shared a life with yeah. dies. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're so, absolutely right about that. That yeah. is the, the, the missionary's family who died is not the only victim in this, in this situation. But I mean, prayers to all of them. That's yes. just tough. Well, this is a fun article. Okay. Let's move on to happier <laughs> stories now that we've made everybody down, depressed. <laughs> so this is a story about a girl named Ashley Hatch. Okay. And she wants a spot on the U.S. World Cup women's team. Which I think is awesome. I know. It's fantastic. She also has Olympic aspirations, I saw. I know. I mean, I think she can do amazing things. So she played for BYU mm-hmm. about six years ago. And then she was the number one, number two draft pick for women's soccer when she came up for that. And she now plays for the Washington Spirit. 
She was transferred from one team to another, however you say that in, you know, sports talk. Anyhow. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the word for that. But yeah, it's not transferred. It's something else. But, you know. Traded. She's traded. Traded. That's what they do. They (laughs) trade. Like playing cards. Oh, my gosh. We're the worst. (laughs) Okay. So with the Washington Spirit, she won the National World Soccer League Championship. Like their team did. And, and she herself won the Golden Boot Award, which was the league's leading soccer scorer. And um, anyhow, which is huge. So she, I, I, I think she applies for this spot on the U.S. World Cup Yeah, team. that's kind of the impression that I got from reading right. through the article. And she doesn't get a lot of notice before they make the decision. No, they make the decision July 10th. And it's 10 days before it starts, yeah. the competition starts, which is crazy because I'm like, all of these amazing players, I'm sure everyone that gets picked is amazing. Yeah. But they got to learn how to work together. Well, it, that's exactly what I was thinking is you've got to have some time to gel as a team. Listen, I've been watching Ted Lasso. It took them three years to gel as a team to get anywhere. So, so your knowledge of soccer is based on Ted Lasso. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Well, then you have more knowledge of soccer than I do because I never watched Ted Lasso. I've heard of it, but I've never watched it. I mean that and all the soccer games I watched my kids play growing oh, up. Oh, that's you know, true. You were you were it. the soccer mom. I was a soccer mom. Um, anyhow, so I liked a couple things that she talked about. She talked about how her faith is still important to her. Yes. And I loved how she kind of uh, is able to be fluid in how she approaches things. Yes. So if she has a game on Sunday, sometimes she and her husband will like do Sunday school on Monday night. Yeah. Even if they can't do it in person, they do it over the phone. Yeah. And um, she studies the Come Follow Me app every uh-huh. day for scripture study a little bit here and there. She does Bible studies with some of her teammates, which I think thought was very cool. And she even invited like some of her teammates to go to the Washington yeah. DC open Temple house, open house. Yeah. which I thought was lovely. I thought so too. So um, a couple things that I also really liked is she gave some advice because BYU soccer team is moving to the Big 12. And, and that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And she asked, she was asked what advice that she had for them. Um, and her ad- advice was to embrace the challenge mm. that as they do this new hard thing, that yeah. they're going to grow. Yeah. And I love that because that is so true yeah. in, in all of our lives. And I also love And that, she's probably a really good role model for them because right? those girls on that team are looking at her going, she used to be on this team and here's what she's doing now. So let's, let's learn from what she's taught us. Exactly. And her biggest advice she had just to like upcoming soccer players is believe in yourself. Oh, isn't that lovely? That is. Oh, I like that. So, all right. Well, Ashley, we're going to be watching to see if you make it to the World Cup And then also for the Olympics, because as you know, if you follow us, Ariane and I always like to highlight the members of the church that make it in either the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, because we're big Olympic girls. (laughs) That's, you know, we're not big sports fans, but we love the Olympics. If they're in the Olympics, it's okay. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So next story. The church decided to buy themselves a little Amazon warehouse in Wembley, England, which I thought was so interesting. So they they bought this Amazon warehouse for $74 million via one of their charitable companies, which is called Covenant Garden IP. So this is a warehouse in Wembley, England, that is currently leased by Amazon. And so... So Amazon's still using it. Yes, Amazon is still using it. It is 186,000 square feet. Oh my goodness. So it's pretty big. I don't know how that... I don't know what the square footage is on the one that we have here in Boise. I don't know either. Because that one here in Boise is pretty big, but I don't know if it's that big. Anyway, so it is a very large warehouse. So it came... The purchase came with Amazon. So Amazon was part of the deal. So Amazon doesn't own the warehouse. The church owns the warehouse. There was another company that owned the warehouse, Um, but the church bought it from that company and they bought it with the lease, the current existing lease that Amazon has. So this is going to be a revenue stream for the church. You know, I was reading some of the comments online about this article and people were like, oh, they're going to use it for, you know, a bishop's storehouse or this or that or whatnot. 
No, 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 no. It's still Amazon. It is still Amazon. They're still in a lease with Amazon. They bought it because it had a lease with Amazon. They don't need the space. They want the revenue stream. They want the proceeds that come. Exactly. Yeah, the rent and stuff. Exactly. And in theory, the building and the real estate will appreciate in value. And so that, you know, maybe in several years, if the price has gone up, they can turn around and sell it at that point in time. So that is what they are doing with their Wembley Amazon warehouse that they bought. Wow. Well, I mean, Amazon doesn't seem like a company that's going anywhere anytime soon. So it sounds like they'll be able to continue to make proceeds. And and am, am I assuming that whatever proceeds they make are going into like charity work in the yes. UK? Or? Yes. So it said in the article that last year they made $5.6 million in investment income. And so that would be rents and things received from... Uh, these types of properties, because this isn't the only property that they have, and that they paid 2.3 million of it to the church. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what happened to the other million if that just was reinvested. Um, but a significant portion of it then went into the church's general fund. Um, and, you know, obviously we don't really know what the church did with it at that point right. in time. But it it seems to me like it sounds like uh, the income streams are being split between perhaps being reinvested and being um, sent um, to the church. Okay. So very interesting. Anyway, so just another property wheel. There you go. <laughs> well, this is another article about um, a younger girl than Ashley and her name. Oh, I'm going to slaughter her last name. So please forgive me. Okay. Me Sophia Dutton. Okay. Let me, let me, let me, let me, Oh, yeah, it's D E T G J E N. Yeah. So, sorry, Sophia. Sorry, Sophia. We tried. And she's from Draper, Utah. She is from Draper. So, Sophia is just got accepted. She's a little bit of an overachiever. Oh, my gosh. I was reading this and I'm like, ooh, this is a lot she's doing. But she just got accepted to well, a little while ago. She's going in the fall to Harvard University. And along with being accepted to Harvard, she was also accepted to Berkeley School of Music, which is also in the Boston area. Okay. And, and the way this works... Well, first now, of all, you're the music person. Yeah. So you've got to explain this to me <laughs> okay, because so Berkeley, I know nothing. Berkeley College of Music is super prestigious because I think it is the college that the most Grammy award winning oh, artists okay. have gone to. Okay. And uh, she was chosen as one of eight students worldwide to be admitted to this program that's, that's like Harvard slash Berkeley dual degree. Wow. So what happens is for four years, she goes to Harvard while she's taking music, taking music lessons at Berkeley. And then once she finishes her studies at Harvard, she flips over to Berkeley. Okay. And I think she does two years of music school there, at which point I believe she's getting her master's in music. Okay. I could be wrong. Yep. She's so a, it's six years of school. She's a drummer, right? Oh my gosh. She is a drummer. I mean, we, and not just... Would- you would think like, oh, a concert violinist or okay, a so pianist, from, okay, so but a drummer? I thought was funny because her mom, she has two older brothers okay. and her mom said that, you know, she's the only daughter. So she just kind of expected her daughter to play violin or go <laughs> do dance lessons. And when she was four years old, she started begging her parents for a drum set for her. Really? Yes, oh, that's crazy. It? So she starts, she gets this drum set when she's five years old and she okay. starts drum lessons. And, and the parents are probably thinking, oh, this oh is going to last a year. And she's going to bang on a this. Few like, months. Let's just get it over with yeah. early. You know? I, <laughs> seriously, if that were my kid, that is exactly what I'd be right? thinking is, all right, give them the drums. We'll, we'll put it on Facebook marketplace in, in a six year, months. Right? This doesn't work. <laughs> so she starts taking lessons. And by age 11, she has gotten to the point where she has outgrown all the local talent in learning for teaching her drums. So then she goes to BYU and starts taking drums with a professor there. Really? We have a professor of drums at BYU? I, we, I, what? Come on. I was a music education well, graduate see, and I had to take a whole semester of percussion work. Are you kidding yes. me? Do you know how many different percussion instruments there are that you have to learn how to play? Okay, well, you have to understand. It's insane. When I look at music, it's dots and stuff. Okay, now I have to tell you a funny story. Okay, tell me okay. a funny story. So I took this percussion on a workshop. B- 
before I left on my mission. Okay. So I go on my mission for a year and a half. I come back to school. I have another year or so of classes to take. I okay. finish all my classes. I, I, the last step I have is student teaching to get my music education degree. So I go to uh, middle school to do my student teaching. And the very first class they assign me to take over and start teaching is beginning percussion. <laughs> well, it has been now three and a three and a half years, maybe, since I have taken my one semester of a percussion, percussion workshop. So I had my prep per period right before my percussion class. And I would literally teach myself how to play the things that I was then going to teach oh, my percussion students the next hour. They never figured it out. I did fine. Hey, but take it until you make it. But needless to say, percussion is not my strong point. Okay, so, so no, I, we've digressed. Yes. Back to okay, her so, story. So she... So she starts taking lessons at BYU and then as she, an 11 year old, did right? she outgrow BYU? Well, I'm not really sure about that, but let me tell you what she does do. Okay. By age 17. Okay. She has now played with, as a guest artist, with okay. numerous jazz artists, as well as Journey, The Killers, Saturday Night Live Band, ACDC, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, The Blues Brothers, Genesis. And she also holds 14 downbeat music awards, which are like the Grammy awards for secondary level and collegiate level kids. Oh, dang. 14 of them. Oh, dang. And she also plays with this um, big band, like this big jazz band in Utah, who it's called Chapman, Caleb Chapman's Cres Crescent Super Band, which is a 20 piece jazz orchestra based in Utah, it's been recognized as the world's best youth jazz ensemble. Huh. And she's traveling to France, Italy, and the Netherlands this summer with this band. Well, that's how my summer break looks <laughs> off. <laughs> What'd you do this summer? Well, I traveled to France, Italy. And to play to play my drums. To play my drums. I don't know how you get a drum set over there. Like, I suppose you can pack it all, but do they do that? Or do you just have drum sets that you play that are other people's? I don't know. That's how a really good question. Proprietary drum sets are, right? I like, don't know I either. will take my flute anywhere I go. I'm not playing but someone else's flute. But a flute is a little different than a right? drum. Right? But a drum set, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. That's true. I don't know. So I'm... I should know more about that, but I don't because remember I did percussion workshop a very well. Long time I, I always <laughs> do find the logistics fascinating. Yeah, like especially like as it relates to when the Mormon Tabernacle Choir tours mm -hmm. and moving all of those people and their clothes and their stuff, and they even have an organ that moves with them too. That's crazy. I know. Well, I was when I was at BYU again. I was in the Wind Symphony, and we took the entire symphony. To New Zealand and Australia oh. with all of our instruments, but we did rent bigger instruments there in the countries, right? Okay. Because taking timpani yeah. across the world, that's a little crazy. Okay. I don't even know what a timpani is. <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. How about a tuba? Would you a rent tuba. a tuba? Uh, I think or would you actually take, take the tuba. Okay. We were limited to a carry-on bag and a backpack because we had to use our- All your checked luggage for your instruments. Right. Exactly. Fair enough. So there okay. you have it. Anyhow, so we totally just wish Sophia the best luck in her endeavors and, and her studies. Wasn't this like, isn't she on scholarship too? Oh, full ride scholarship. Full ride scholarship. $188,000 scholarship. Wow. I mean, amazing. Amazing. Well, you know, good for her. She obviously has some very natural talent, God-given talent God -given for this. Talent. And uh, she has curated that talent that God has given her. And she is not hiding her light under a bushel. She is not. So She is not. Well done. All right. Let's move on to the next story. This is a, this is a fun story. So there is a missionary in Africa, and his name is Braden Call, and he's in Ghana, Africa. So he's cruising down the street, and he's from Caldwell, Idaho. So he's a local boy. You know me. I always like to find a local Boise, Idaho. Caldwell's considered part of the Boise area. I'd like to find a local story. I know, and I love this. And honestly, like part of me kind of wants to Facebook stalk this person because I know someone in Caldwell, Idaho, whose last name is Call, and they're members of the church. So I'm like, I wonder if this is his son or... Oh, I'm sure they're related. I don't know if they're related. Somehow. Anyway, so... <laughs> 
Braden Call is on his mission in Ghana, Africa. He sees this boy walking down the street, and the boy walking down the street is wearing this T-shirt that says Caldwell All-Stars. I mean, what are the chances of that? Seriously, what are the chances? So the Caldwell All-Stars are a baseball team, a kid's baseball team from Caldwell. And so he he immediately recognizes like, the shirt. So he he stops the kid and he's like, excuse me, excuse me. Can Where'd I you get that shirt? Can I see your shirt for a second? <laughs> so the guy flips around and on the back of the shirt, you can see where the letters C-A-L-L used to be. And he realized this shirt belonged to my, oh my cousin, that is just crazy. which is totally crazy. Halfway and across the halfway world. Halfway across the world. And sure enough, his cousin had outgrown the shirt. He had donated it to the Deseret Industries in Nampa, wow. Idaho. It has made its way to Ghana. Wow. And this guy runs into it. And, and this was kind of the coolest thing. So um, this happened right after Christmas and right around the time of his birthday. And his parents had felt really bad because they could not mail him any Christmas gifts or birthday gifts to Ghana. And so, you know, and, and he'd been suffering from homesickness and he was just kind of, he's 14 months into his mission. He was just kind of starting to get uh, into the hang of things. And and he recognized this shirt as a tender mercy. And he's like, wow, God gave me a really, really cool gift. Oh, that's gift. really sweet. And I thought that, I thought that that was really sweet. And, uh, and he says, um, he says it was his his father is actually a bishop over in Caldwell. So his father is Dwayne Call. Do you yeah, know Dwayne Call? I do know Dwayne Call. Okay, well then now we're talking about his son. <laughs> anyway, so his father says, to me it is one of those tender mercies provided by a loving father just to say he knows and loves one of his sons far from home. Aww. So meanwhile, this boy who had received the shirt, he'd actually attended church a few times with his neighbors uh, who the missionaries were teaching. And um, now the boy's family has started learned, has started oh to learn gosh. more from the missionaries about the gospel. I mean, that's an even bigger gift if you think about it. It really is. When you're a missionary, like, I don't, maybe it's different in Ghana, but when I was in Spain, I would just be thrilled if someone. Yeah was actually going to listen to me and exactly start taking the lessons. So. Well, and you could, I mean, you would think what kind of an impact would this have on that boy for, right? to, for this missionary to go, let me tell you who wore that shirt before yeah. you did. Yeah. And to just go, wow. Let me tell you how the shirt got to you. Exactly. Man, exactly. Amazing. So I love it. All right. Okay. So here's another story. Okay. Listen, the, this is, I'm just amazed that this, couple has survived this long. <laughs> well, they, they have 11 kids. They're a couple with 11 kids. Uh, I, do you get to a point where one more is just not a big deal? I don't know. I mean, I think that is true because I have six and once I hit four, it really didn't matter. Okay. I, you know, just add yeah. another in. I don't know. But 11, that's, they said it was like nearly three decades of their children going to school. Okay. That, that would probably be true. So so tell us yeah. what they did to okay. celebrate the, the final <laughs> so child. the final child graduated, graduated. right, okay. from the Alpine School District. And to, to mark the occasion, they took out a full-page ad in the Deseret News, uh, basically Memorial Day weekend edition. You, that couldn't have been cheap. Oh, you know that was a crazy. That had to run a couple grand. Right? Mm. Yeah. Full page. And it was color, too, because I saw that. Oh, then it easily ran a couple yeah. grand. And they basically did it to express gratitude to everyone who had helped their kids through school. And they named, they listed out. Every kid. All their kids, all the teachers, the bus drivers, the custodians, wow. the librarians, the principals, the counselors, the school nutrition workers, even some substitute teachers Nursings, nurse, nurses, crossing guards, and secretaries. Oh, dang. And then they signed it, like, with gratitude and adm admiration. Okay. And and I did like this line <laughs> that they also said. I don't know. Okay. just I'm sorry. I'm laughing. Thank you for helping. <laughs> I can't get through it. Thank you for helping our children have an excellent home-centered, school-supported <laughs> education. <laughs> Okay, that is funny. Home-centered, school-supported education. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to give them props for that. I mean, obviously Mormon. Obviously well, you knew Mormon. they had to be Mormon or Catholic because they had 11 kids. Well, but, um, yeah. yeah. The article doesn't say whether or not they're LDS. We just made the presumption that if you live in the Alpine School District and you have 11 children, you probably are LDS. And if you're not, you should be. But that statement alone 
proves the point. But yeah, right? when you make that statement, yeah, you've pretty much played your hand. Yeah, yeah. So um, the mom goes on to say that like they drove a 15 passenger van to get everybody where they needed to go. And often she wished that she had an, a crock pot that she could just plug into the van so she could just oh. like serve up meals, which honestly isn't a bad idea. You know what? I think they make that these days uh, they, because I think they, they make like they converters that you can plug stuff in well, in your you, car. You ought to be able to get like a generator, right? Uh, well, yeah. I guess you can't use gas. But, but yeah, but whatever. no, no, no. I swear they make yeah. converters that you can plug into no, that your would make sense. Lighter. That would make sense. And a lot of cars come these days with actual plug-ins because nobody's smoking cigarettes in their cars anymore. True. But will you make it through the day with the smell of stroke beef stroganoff in your car all day long that might get a little overpowered i know but think about the would you rather have that smell or the smell of stinky teenagers in your car i think i'd rather have the smell of taco bell <laughs> if you've got 11 kids you may not be able to afford taco that bell. is true you but may. they but they must be able to because they can put a full page ad <laughs> memorial day weekend paper i mean oh. i think it's really sweet but there is the kind of cynical part of me that is like, what if instead of doing that, they would have given, donated that money to certain programs within the school districts yeah. to help as a thank you, as a thank you. I don't know, just me, Okay, but I'm, but I love that they made, I mean, what a tribute that they made it through 11 kids. And, exactly. And, and a huge thank you to all those teachers and exactly. everyone. It really does take the village. It does. It really does. And and especially post-COVID. I've talked to a lot of teachers post-COVID and they just said, it's a different world. It's a tough world. Yeah. 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 All right. Our final story before we move on to All right. Mormons behaving badly. Do you have your, your summer vacation plans? Because if you don't have your summer vacation plans, LDS, we have some for you. <laughs> have some for you courtesy of LDS Living. So LDS Living put together a lovely article. They have run this east to west, and they have put together each state that has church history sites. And they tell you, look, you can start in Vermont, and here's what you can go see. And then you can move to New York, and then Pennsylvania, and Ohio, and Missouri, and Illinois, and Iowa. And they go on and on and on. And they even have a map with, like, all the little they dots. They do. So they have a map with all the little dots. They end in San Diego at the Mormon Battalion site. So, yes, if you want to do a a a cross country road trip church history site thing, bring it on. Go read LDS Living. It is really cool. There are some amazing sites there. there. And um <laughs> I've been to a bunch of them recently back on the East Coast. Yes, and, and you're a dual homeowner. <laughs> I am. Because my husband works in Pennsylvania. And so, that's a long story. <laughs> a long story. Don't ask. But anyhow, so yeah, when I would come out with him, I would just go to Palmyra and to the church priesthood restoration shop. Yeah, because site. those were and all really close. They're too. really not very far from yeah. where we live. So yeah, that's and, awesome. There. So, yeah, so if you're going fun. to the, to Pennsylvania, look, look call me up. <laughs> if I'm there. If you're there. That's very true. All right, so let's move on to Mormons behaving badly. Oh, I love this part. It, it, it's <laughs> always fun. Okay, we're going to start off with a Chad Daybell trial update. Right, because this, you might have thought we weren't going to hear anything about the Daybells for a while now that Lori was done, but no. Oh, I would it really be an episode <laughs> of Twim with me if I didn't Absolutely not. discuss the Daybells? And, and I really honestly had no intent tonight to discuss the Daybells. But then breaking news happened this afternoon, so now I have we to discuss to. the Daybells. So Chad went to court this afternoon with his lawyers and the judges and the prosecutors, and the judge set his trial date. So as you recall, uh, he got his trial postponed. I'm not going to go back into the details of that, but they had but not reset it, set the trial date. The judge has now set the trial date. This is not a joke. I really can't believe this. It will begin April 1st, 2024, and it is slated to run for eight weeks through the end of May. So basically the same time period that Lori had, because I think Lori's trial began April 3rd. I think it took, didn't they say it took 10 weeks to get through first? No, no. it was originally going to take that long. It okay. ended up only taking about six weeks oh, because go. the death penalty wasn't on the table. Okay. Death penalty still is on the uh. table for Chad. So next April, if you're feeling deja vu, you will be, it, <laughs> Come it's to because Boise. it is. 
And yes, the trial will be held in Boise. I'm sure Judge Boyce will do all of the same procedures that he did last time. Maybe, here's my biggest regret about Lori's trial. I really, really, really wanted to go for a day and watch her trial, which I know, I'm a lawyer, that sounds I really thought you would get in there. And I really, really wanted to, but I had some hideous work projects that literally prevented that from happening despite my best efforts. So I, I'm, I'm really bummed. So I'm hoping that I will have an opportunity with Chad, but there's also a part of me that thinks Chad is going to plead guilty. I, I said this in good. the last episode, January, February ish of next year that maybe he'll plead guilty. I, I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, Book your tickets to Boise. Book them now. I have an entire basement full of empty space because all my kids are gone. There so you go. You can be our investigative reporter <laughs> hey, for Twim. You better, you, you need to let Nate Heaton know from the East Idaho okay, News. I should. Say, Nate, come hang out with me because then he can out. come back and tell us all the details. The exactly. Day, right? Exactly. And we could be his, we could be his, we could be his fangirl. I love it. I love <laughs> his podcast back there going, yay, Nate. Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> anyway. All right. And then my last story really isn't a Mormon behaving badly, but it's a true crime story. And I do a lot of true crime in Mormon behaving badly. We've kind of got a little bit of a mystery going on. There is a member of the church. His name is John Forsyth. And he was a an emergency room doctor in Missouri, in a relatively small town in Missouri, in uh, Cassville, Missouri. In addition to his gig as an emergency room doctor, he and his brother also had kind of a cryptocurrency thing going on on the side. So he recently got divorced. Uh, his divorce settlement required him to pay $19,000 a month to his wife wow. in alimony and child support. Um, well, I mean, he was an ER doctor, right? Like, he was an um, ER doctor. And I think the crypto business was pretty lucrative as yeah. well for him. Anyway, he was a very dedicated doctor. Like he never missed a shift. And so he ended up not showing up for one of his shifts. And wow. so that sent off immediate red flags because he was so dedicated. Uh, the last communication with him is he has a new fiance. He texted her about 7 a.m., said he would see her later. And then he stopped replying to messages after that. They have some footage of him. He he took his car and he ended up, his car ended up at an aquatic park in uh, Cassville. It was unlocked. It had his wallet, two phones, and a laptop inside. Okay, I got to pause for a second. Can you tell me what an aquatic park is? I have no idea what an okay, aquatic park thank is. thank you. I don't so, know, but it's in Missouri. So maybe it's just like it's 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 somewhere it's somewhere in Missouri. Okay. So they started searching the park area and they they couldn't find him, but earlier this week a kayaker in Arkansas found his body oh. in the Beaver Lake, which is a large reservoir in northeastern Arkansas, which was about 20 miles away from where his car is, and there was a gunshot wound. That is how what? he died. Yes. They are not releasing any details. They, the reporter did ask the brother, is there any chance this was self-inflicted? And the brother said, no, he, there is no chance this is self-inflicted. He would never do that. Uh, that he was, he was happy that his divorce had finished. He had this new fiance that he really loved. He was planning a trip to Utah to see some of his children. I think he had a daughter that had either recently come home from a mission or was coming home from a mission. So I got to pause for a second. I'm assuming that there's no information. I haven't read the article. Uh-huh. So that's why I'm asking questions. I'm assuming that there's no information about the gunshot because if there was, they would know whether it was self-inflicted or not by the way it's going. Well, the, the, the police aren't saying at the moment. So that's even more interesting. Yes. So the police, the police aren't saying they're just saying that the body had a gunshot wound. I'm, I'm sure it's being autopsied. They should be able to tell when if they were they'll be able to tell by how the gun exactly if it seems like it was self-inflicted um like i said the brother says no there's there's no chance so we're just going to kind of have to maybe follow this story because it's kind of interesting definitely a mystery somebody better call keith morrison from dateline Well, I'm sorry for I don't, the fiance we, and the yeah. brother. And, and we don't know terrible. if it's we don't know if it's Dateline caliber yet. We have to dig a little more into the mystery. But very sad for his children. I think he had 
eight kids, six oh to eight kids. Goodness. He had a bunch of kids. And so. Well, and then also difficult for that family. Because exactly. There's no more income coming. It, in, right? Exactly. So hopefully he had some good life insurance. So oh, that's true. And doesn't seem like a lot of motivation for the wife to, to get rid of him. If she's getting $19,000 a month. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Anyway. Wow. But very, very sad for the family. So. All right. Shall we finish up the show with our favorite things? Well, sure. Let's do All it. All right, Holly, I'm going to, since you're the guest, I'm going to let you go first with your favorite thing. Okay. I have two favorite things. Okay. Share. Oh, I can hardly wait. Okay. So the first is, um, I got this on Amazon. Okay. And it's a mask that is also a Bluetooth so at nighttime, for example, okay, I need my beauty rest and my husband, I don't know, maybe wants to scroll Facebook for two hours. Um, <laughs> I can put this mask on my face and turn on, I don't know, like a podcast uh-huh. and it'll play in my ear and I, it's dark and then I'll fall asleep. And you know, you can set your phone to like yeah, turn 20 off minutes in 30 or minutes, 30 minutes yeah. or whatever. Nice. And it's lovely because oh. it's just like very soothing. Filters out the light. Filters out the light. Filters. Especially here when it's dark, light to light. Yeah. So when he, if he's on Facebook or something, will he have earphones in in case a video comes I, up? Like, I don't, I don't know because I've got my Bluetooth on. Oh, so I'm listening okay. to something. I can't hear what he's doing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So I I love it. I love it. It's great. Not just for at home, but like when I'm going on, like on trips and Uh I'm like, like if you're on an airplane, right. All these kind of places where I can just block things out and just listen. So I love those. Okay. So so that was item number one. It cost about $22 on it. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. They're fantastic. And they're soft. They're really lovely. Well, send me the link because I will have Ariane posted on our twin sisters Instagram account. I will. I will. Okay. And the next one is... I'm kind of a ice cream fanatic. Okay. It's probably my favorite dessert. Okay. And my favorite ice cream you cannot get out here. It's back east and it's a place called Graders. Okay. And they have this ice cream that's called Black Raspberry Dark Chocolate Chunk. Okay. And it's amazing. Okay. So I was at Fred Meyer the other day. And while I don't have Graders ice, don't get excited if okay. you're a Graders fan. However, they do their like private selection yes. ice cream. And they had a black raspberry, dark chocolate chunk, pint size ice cream. Oh. And I got it and I brought it home and, oh. Is it close? Uh, it's not graders. as good, but it's close. Like well, I, it's a good substitute. You know what? In that private selection that Fred Meyer has, because I love a chocolate dipped cherry cone from Dairy Queen. Oh, yes. Like if I'm going to get a dipped cone, I want chocolate ice cream dipped in cherry. They have an amaretto one in that private selection at Fred Meyer that has cherry and it has a little bit of almond and the and the chocolate, chocolate. in it. And it is almost as good as getting a chocolate dip. Oh my gosh. A chocolate I've got dipped to try that one too. Cherry, cherry cone. cone. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. way to go, private selection. Way to go. All right. Well, my favorite thing this month is a makeup. I'm going to show it here if you're watching on the video. It is by Maybelline and it is called Fit Me. And it is actually a tinted moisturizer. Oh. So I ran out of my concealer. And I go to the store. And of course, do they have my concealer no, in stock? you're always out of that one. Exactly. They did not have it in stock. So I'm sitting there lamenting. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I find another concealer that I'm like, okay, well, this like kind of looks close to the shade. I pull up and I read the reviews on it. I'm like, well, it has okay reviews. And then I happened to see this tinted moisturizer and I thought, well, I'm going to try a tinted moisturizer because I've seen lots of girls on Instagram and TikTok talking about tinted talking about tinted moisturizers. And so I thought I'm going to try this because I don't like a heavy makeup. I just need something to cover my old lady skin. And by by old lady skin, I mean, I've got all this red splotchy skin. Exactly. Because I'm old. Exactly. And I want something to cover it that I can still breathe. And so I I have been pleasantly surprised with how light this is and that I haven't had to. Usually when I wear my concealer, I put moisturizer on first and then and then I put the concealer this has just been a one and done. It hasn't dried out my skin. How fantastic. It really hasn't gotten into the cracks. Oh, I, I love that. I have really, really liked it. Here's the only problem. Okay. It's small. It is small, but a little goes a long way. <laughs> okay. 
One of the reasons I bought this, because I was kind of sus on whether or not I was going to like this, is it was on clearance for $6 on Walmart. So that means it's going away. That means I'll probably never find it again. I probably need to go back to Walmart and buy it out. But at the same time, at least I know I like a tinted moisturizer. So once I use this up... Yeah, I because can, the, I the other problem it. is if you buy it out, like I don't know what the shelf life is. Exactly, like, it may change to three it, times by the time you get it, to. And the that is bottle. very true. And like I said, <laughs> even though it looks like just a little bottle, like uh, seriously, a it little a, a little goes a, a really long way. So okay. that is my favorite thing for tonight. I guess I'm going to have to go look around at tinted moisturizers. Go online, look at right? tinted moisturizers. I, I've been, like I said, very pleasantly surprised. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we need to wrap things up for tonight. Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us. And before I give all our contact information, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Woo-woo! Which, as I indicated (laughs) earlier, Holly is one of them. We are doing a new thing for our Patreon subscribers. We are doing what is called a Patreon pop-up. And it will just be little random contents that may be, you know, five, ten minutes long that are going to only be released to Patreon subscribers. That's correct. So you will only get this bonus content if you are a Patreon subscriber. And Holly, how much does your Patreon subscription cost you a month? I don't even remember. You pay three bucks. I'm like something small. (laughs) I signed up like during COVID and I just love to keep going. Holly pays $3 a month for her Patreon subscription. And then I get all these fun little things. You get the fun pop-ups. And then I get the unedited versions of whatever, whatever happens. Yes. It's also kind of fun. Because um, the uh, the as soon as we record this, it generally pops up on Patreon before it pops up on the, our, main, on the main feed for our podcast. Before... Um, the technicians behind the scenes have gone in and and made things beautiful. The Patreon subscribers get the rough cut. That's right. I love it. Sometimes <laughs> can be very interesting. So we would encourage you all to become Patreon subscribers, get the rough cut, get the Patreon pop-ups that we're going to do. Ariane and I did one a couple weeks ago, and I think um, the twin siblings, Matt and Melissa, recorded one. And so they're, they're just fun little pop-ups that you can listen to. Right. And I think above all, like the thing is that even if I weren't getting all those things, yes, it's not that much money each month and it keeps this going. I'm so glad you think we're worthy. You're worthy <laughs> of it, right? Like there's so many things I could waste my money on, but yes. this is not a waste. This is an investment. Oh, you make me feel good. <laughs> All right. So Twim Nation, subscribe to Patreon. Be a, be a supporter. Woo-woo. You can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And then, of course, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out at contact at thisweekinmormons.com. We will go through our mailbag and we will respond. Thank you. 